never say die. Forty going on fourteen. Hey, hello, everybody, and welcome to Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and uh, I may have gotten to meet quite a few celebrities, but they also had to meet me. That's kind of like a give and take, isn't it? Yeah. I'll give you a dollar, and I'll kick you in the knee. M-E-A-T. Is Josh the dollar or the kick? I'm the nuts. (laughs) So, yes, this week. (laughs) (laughs) I almost introduced myself as that. (laughs) I'm, oh. (laughs) Yeah. We, this week we are talking about celebrity encounters, famous well, people. After we're done making penis penises in the, the in the, in the sound waves, yeah. yeah <laughs> With that, we'll talk about this. Oh Sorry. my god! <laughs> so yeah, so uh, we're talking about people that we have met, famous people we've met back when we were kids, and people we have met accidentally in our jobs, wherever. It is the celebrity encounter show. Yay! So take that. Yeah, it's like a memory show, but with celebrities. Yes. If you like celebrities, you might hear from some on Geek Life Radio. I don't know. They're getting stuff going. But you will definitely hear shows like The History of Bad Ideas, The Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast, The Day One Patch Podcast, and of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, The Smorgasbord. Hey, oh, hi, oh, hi, 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 oh, hi, oh, hi, oh, hi, Dude, your it. penis is all messed up. <laughs> and now we're on a list. <laughs> yep. That is not it, Joel. That's not no. it. Not it. No. So if you're looking for more of this, you can find our back catalog at Google, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. We are on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podcast Addict. To get in touch with us and give us a show idea that you have, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. And join in the conversation by clicking the Join Us link in the show notes and pop over to our Discord where we have been talking about what was the conversation today? Well, right now the conversation is, did we do a Starsky and Hutch show? Yes. Yeah, that's the current conversation. We all have vague memories of doing this show. <laughs> we cannot find it anywhere on the internet. We cannot find it anywhere in our stuff. But we are we we think we did one, but we can't find it. We have so, done too many shows. To if find you are one. a long term listener and you remember us doing a Starsky and Hutch show, let us know. Just I mean, we don't even want to hear it. Just to put our minds at rest. Yeah, because yeah. we're actually having an existential crisis here. I, I I had a headache until we started going. Oh, <laughs> Nanomloss, help me out, brother. Yeah, yeah, he's a good one for it. <clears throat> But in the meantime, voicemails. Have we got them? Oh, yeah. Yes. That's uh, Ivan. 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 Ivan from New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah. Hi, Ivan here from New Zealand. Uh, I just had a few comments. I've been a long-time listener, uh, probably for, well, just under a year, but yeah, a year. Uh, look, actually, I've got this page here of stuff I've written down. Food. You had a good uh, episode on food, and you mentioned New Zealand, and yes, Pavlova is the New Zealand food. Uh, but traditionally, um, like my grandmother and her grandmother and my mother, uh, the lamb roast is, uh, you know, the leg of lamb uh, would be the traditional colonial kind of uh, food. Um uh, there's a cookbook called the Edmunds Cookbook, which is the Bible for New Zealand food. Uh, I mean, everybody in New Zealand gets it. Uh, it gets handed down uh, when kids leave home. 
okay. Uh, well, but uh, modern times, so it's more an Asian fusion kind of thing because in New Zealand, it's, uh, I mean, we got everything here from Indonesian, uh, Malaysian, Filipino, uh, everything Southeast Asian, and of course China, Korea, Japan. So it ends up being a huge mix. But that Edmund cookbook is the Bible, and then there's the honey. Now this is a um, you did a really good one on the cookout. Uh, now this is what I think you'll be interested in is the honey. This is the um, the Maori version, which is. Um, a hole dug in the ground, uh, probably like a grave. Uh, you know, uh, probably four to six, well, I don't know, four to six feet, say. Uh, you fill it up with, uh, you know, traditional river stones, uh, big smooth round stones, fill that up, uh, and then you put a big bonfire on it. So you heat those stones up, there's a big bonfire, and this, I mean, the, the, the slack takes all day. So you, you don't do this in a couple of hours. And then once the fire's down, and those rocks are red, literally red hot, uh, you put your baskets of, well, you know, in the old Maori days, it was flax, uh, flax, uh, you know, filled with pukekos and mowers and things, but all right, that is part one of Yvonne's voicemails. And I gotta ask, do you know Nikki and John? Because I mean, you're all from New Zealand, but yeah, thank you for uh, following up with us. And yeah, and I totally want to try this thing where you cook a food by creating a bonfire on it all day. That sounds great. Yeah, we should have like... done that to Uki. No, okay, that's right. murder. Bonfire? That's, that's what that is. That's not cooking. That's murder. There's a difference. When you do that to yeah, food, but, it's mean, cooking. When you do it to a human it's, being, it's, it's a felony. Things, it's one of those things where knowing what we know now, we we should have done it to Uki. Nerf burns. Nerf burns, Patrick. That's how you ruin it. You ruined it. You don't put you paper got, in a furnace. I want to hear more you, of these recipes. You put and... paper in a furnace. You ruin it. God, what the hell is wrong with this? <laughs> it's an office reference. All right. I'll take your word for it. Yvonne, thank you very much for the cooking. We're going to break out. Join us next week for the thrilling section two of Yvonne's New Zealand cooking, which I'm I'm listening to. I want to know about this bonfire thing because I got room for a bonfire in my backyard. You can adapt it to a fire pit, I'm sure. Yeah. But what if it just buried a sheep? <laughs> Are you going to cook it or just bury it? Well, bury it and then make a bonfire on top of it. Make a, make a fox bonfire. So fox. you're just burying a sheep and then a fo- Make a fox fire. Oh, God. All right, it is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. Is this going to be your thing now? You get it because it's Firefox backwards. What, burying a sheep and burning the ground above it? So this week we're going with October twenty second, nineteen ninety one. Where are the crickets? The opening of the first Planet Hollywood. I picked that because that is, um, for years, was the most likely place to find a person of celebrity, unless you broke into their home. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> allegedly out, outside of Hollywood and L A. Yeah, like you know, because. I don't know. I I couldn't really come up with a good date for these celebrity shows. So well, this, that just, this works. Yeah, it worked. And then you bury them and burn the ground above them. <laughs> Cook them over ce- a hot stone. It's called Celebrity Fire. Oh, I'd watch that.
He did a show on that, I think. He's Maybe. so hot right now. Oh. Ah. Let me stand next to your fire. So, music? Yeah. So, the number one song <laughs> in the land was Emotions by Mariah Carey. I don't know that song. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Do I? Yeah. yeah. I'll take your word for it. It goes, hey. It's the one, it's the one where high. she goes real, real high, and then she goes real, oh, real low. Oh, yeah. The one where yeah. she sings real high. I totally know that one. And yeah. she sounds like a balloon. Yeah, that one. <laughs> That Mariah right. Carey song sounds yeah. like a bald guy rubbing a balloon on his head. <laughs> oh, I love that song. It's called Clowning. Wait for her to do the solo. <laughs> that that was the laugh. worst Mariah Carey impression I've ever heard. I don't Second know. for me. Yeah, I don't know if that's Second? Who was worse than that? <laughs> you ever heard me sing Mariah Carey? Yeah, you should have heard Carl do it. Oh. <laughs> no, that, he made that sexy. All right, moving on. Ernest Jennings Ford, known professionally as Tennessee Ernie Ford, was an American singer and television host who enjoyed success in the country and Western pop. I just messed up my thing here. And gospel music genres. Noted for his rich bass baritone voice and his down-home humor, he is remembered for his hit recordings of The Shotgun Boogie, Blackberry Boogie, and 16 Tons. His specialty was exciting driving boogie-woogie records featuring accompaniment by the hometown jamboree band, which included Jimmy Bryant on lead guitar and pioneer pedal steel guitarist Speedy West. On September 28, 1991, he suffered severe liver failure after leaving a state dinner at the White House. Ford died on October 17th and was absorbed. Yikes. For a minute there, I thought I said I it said steak dinner, but thankfully I said state. He really liked the boogie. <clears throat> and then they buried him and burned him in effigy. <laughs> And he was delicious. 16 tons and what do you get? <laughs> Deeper in the ground. <laughs> Is Yoko Ono doing a duet with the Tibetan monks? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the mystics from the Dark Crystal. <laughs> now, I, I wanted to do a uh, an impression of that one Skeksy guy, whatever, that we liked, but now I forgot his name. Chamberlain. Hmm. <laughs> All right. And finally, albums released this week included Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet, Pennywise by Pennywise, Weld by Neil Young, and the acronym of the week, IWMBGWH. I'm pretty sure that stands for I Want My Balls Glazed with Ham. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't even finish it. No, Josh. No, that is... <laughs> I wish my brother George was here. By Del Does he the... want his balls glazed with ham? <laughs> By Del the Funky Homo Sapien, who did want his balls glazed by ham. All right, moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Other People's Money, starring Danny DeVito, Gregory Peck, and Penelope Ann Miller. Strange cast. Good movie, though. Right? Yeah, it is a good movie. On October 18th, My Own Private Idaho, directed and written by Gus Van Sant, and starring River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves, was released. I remember was that movie. released. <laughs> <clears throat> Julie Eileen Kelly, known professionally as Judy Kelly, was an Australian-born British actress. She arrived in Britain in 1932 after winning a competition organized by the Australian British Empire Films which included three months' tuition at the British International Studios, not Industrial Studios, at Elstree. She was sometimes cast as a love interest for the comedian Leslie Fuller and also appeared alongside the musical stars Gene Gerard and Stanley Lupino. 
Her final film was a supporting role in the comedy Warning to Wantons in 1949 before her death on October 22nd. Absolutely. So you don't know who Della Funky Homo Sapien is, but you know who Judy Kelly is? No, I just needed something for movies. Oh, because I've never heard of her or those other people. Well, and it was a huge week in movies with uh, movies releasing this week, including I Still Dream of Jeannie, (laughs) Whore, those are two different movies, House Party 2, The Butcher's Wife, Curly Sue, and The Hitman. Gonna make House Party 2 look like House Party 3. I didn't see the uh, the quotes there, so I thought it was Whore House Party 2. And I was like, Pat, are you putting porn in here now? What's going on? I want to watch Whore House Party 2. Oh, and I was going the other way. I still dream of Genie, whore. <laughs> All right, so TV. Top shows in the land were 60 Minutes, Roseanne, Murphy Brown, and Home Improvement. I still dream of Genie, Whore House Party 2. <laughs> I still dream of Genie's Whorehouse. And then Gene Roddenberry, science fiction writer and creator of Star Trek, died of cardiac arrest at 70 years of age on October 24th. In 1985, he became the first TV writer with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and he was later inducted into both the Science Fiction Hall of Fame and the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences Hall of Fame. Years after his death, Roddenberry was one of the first humans to have his ashes carried into Earth orbit. The popularity of the Star Trek universe in films has inspired more films, books, comic books, video games, fan films, all set in the Star Trek universe. Man, man had uh, an effect on the world. Right. Thanks to Lucille Ball for putting that on the air. Story. Yeah. Then uh, Brian Allen Craig, born on October 27th, is an American actor. He's best known for playing Morgan Corinthos in the soap opera General Hospital. He has been nominated for five Daytime Emmy Awards. He apparently won none. Doesn't get much out of his wheelhouse either. I'm just gonna stay on this show. Why not? Yeah. If you're a, if you're a young hunk who can kind of act, it's yeah, a great, it's a great life. I'm All just right. gonna stay here. Moving on to sports, the Dallas Mavericks' former sixth man of the year, Roy Tarpley, became the seventh player to be banned from the NBA for life under the league's anti-drug agreement after failing to report for a drug test after his third DWI arrest. Damn. Yeah, he was a rising star, and he just could not stop drinking and doing drugs and it cost him his whole career on october 17th angel cordero jr became the third jockey to win 7,000 horse races in his career it's a lot of races that is a lot of races jesus the world series between the minnesota twins and atlanta braves was held october 19th through the 27th with five of its games decided by a single run four decided in the final at bat and three going into extra innings this World Series immediately became regarded as one of the greatest postseason series in baseball history. In 2003, ESPN selected this championship as the greatest of all time in their World Series 100th anniversary countdown. The series telecast drew an overall national Nielsen rating of 24.0 and a 39 share for CBS. Game 7 drew a 32.2 rating and a 49 share as the Twins won their second championship. Huh. And I was uh, actually rooming at that point in college, this is before I met you guys, um, with a guy from uh, Minnesota when they won, and he went crazy. <laughs> what, did he, like, kill a bunch of people, or what? Not that kind of crazy. The good kind of crazy. Oh. Yeah. Like, he said, well, you know what, never mind. All right. Are you and still friends with him? No, actually, we don't talk. Aw. Yeah. Well, we're still around. The only sign language. Yeah. Sorry about that. I got you guys as a consolation prize, I guess. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> wow. JK. That's my name. Rolling. That's not my name. (laughs) 
And lastly, to get us out of this twee, Akib Yaved's hat trick ripped India apart in the finals of the Wills Trophy at Sharjah on October 25th. He bowled Pakistan to victory in the triangular Wills Trophy, the other team being West Indies, over India with figures of 7 for 37 and the aforementioned hat trick. So, cricket? That was our cricket fact, yep. Yeah, huh. Play us off, keyboard, Joel. Nah, 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 nah. All right, so over the years, we have met people. And occasionally, we have met people who are to be considered celebrities, whether it be out and about or with our work and that sort of thing. But that is what this show is about. People we have met and our interactions therein. So... There will be a lot of name dropping, and there will be a lot of. Uh, we're not going to like spill a lot of dirty, gossipy stuff that's going to get us sued or anything. But don't yeah. get excited. By the way, for anybody who's interested, this show topic was brought to us by the Discord chat. So if you have an idea, we do use them. We won't Discord it. Uh, this is why you're not a celebrity. Oh. You might yeah, be that's the talent. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, did your family know anybody famous when you were growing up? Ah, uh, well, I if if we're talking about the then, I didn't know this person growing up, but once I met my mother, my biological mother, who you all know, um, her one of her best friends is Beth Nielsen Chapman, who is a songwriter and a musician. Most people would know her for the song uh, This Kiss, which was a rather large hit. Uh, she's written a slew of other hits, won a bunch of awards, written a bunch of albums, played with a bunch of very famous people. And uh, first time I met her, uh, when I went out to one of the times I visited my mom, we went to Nashville where she lives and we went out with her son and had sushi. But oh. very nice. Very nice lady. I'm still friends with her. Well, that's cool. Uh, I know the most of the family encounters or family friends for celebrities go like way back. Um, my, uh, on my dad's side, the, uh, red skeleton was a family friend. Really? Yeah. Oh, neat. And on my mom's side, uh, my grandfather, uh, was a, uh, reporter for stars and stripes who eventually after the war went on to the Washington post Herald, I believe, where he worked at the same time with uh, a young uh, Jacqueline Bouvier who would later become Jackie Kennedy. Whoa, huh. that's a big name right there. So yeah, I thought, I thought that was vaguely interesting. Yeah, how about you, Pat? Uh, <clears throat> two minor uh, professional athletes. Like you know, they weren't like you know all stars or anything, but you know, uh, have, were family friends because we went to church with them. Uh, Jesse Barfield. He was a professional baseball player. He uh, led the leagues in home run a couple of years while he, you know, in the nineties. Like with like the Astros or something, or uh, he played. Yeah, he, he was a journeyman, but he started with the Yankees. Yeah, and um, but he lived. He lived in Houston. Uh, oh, okay. He has a, has a house in Houston. Um, and Matt Bullard, who played for the Rockets uh, the years that they won the championships, and he now is a cop. Well, actually, he just retired as a commentator for them. He was also a member of our church, so I knew both of them like. Well enough to to call them by their first names. Was he like a really tall dude? I mean, I always assume yeah, basketball players. Yeah, Matt Bullard is six ten. Yeah, Jesus, oh, yikes! Yeah, you don't want him sitting in front of you in church. <laughs> he usually snuck in late because you know he didn't necessarily like a whole lot of people. Because I mean, he you know a guy that was on the championship winning team in Houston. He's you know he's well known, so right. he would always sneak in late and usually he'd say he'd talk to people afterwards, but he didn't like you know beforehand. So he'd sit in the back. For that uh, that particular reason, he said once he's like, "Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to sit in front of people." Yeah, not when you're that tall. Holy but crap! Yeah, I mean, both those guys were were very nice people. Very cool. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Um, 
we I mean, outside of I know my my grandparents knew Rostenkowski, the uh Dan. Chicago yeah, Dan, uh, the Chicago um what the heck you call it? Was he a linebacker? No, he was a, politi- a politician. Oh, okay. That's, uh, why I know that. That's why I know that name. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. They knew him, and he actually, from what I understand, he helped my family buy a couple houses, like helped us front the money or something like that. I mean, we really, that's that and the, um, that and the John Wayne Gacy thing are the only two that I Shit. have. I didn't know if you were going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a dicey one. Yeah, yeah a... I'll say my second cousin, who I never met and family's fallen away, knew John Wayne Gacy for a very short time. Yikes. But, uh... It's one yeah. way to put it. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to... Yeah, they found him. He was one of the bodies under the stairs. But, uh, that's, like, we didn't have anybody that we... In our family or anybody like, wow, I never knew my uncle was blah, 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 or anything like that. It was... Everyone was pretty low-key in my family. Although, because of that, that led to... A rather large gathering of us the night they executed him, John Wayne Casey. Yeah, that was an interesting evening. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's really it. I mean, I didn't like I said, my my family. We didn't, uh, you know, really did not have that much in the way of fame outside of that. Uh, so here's a question: Who's the first person, who's celebrity that you remember meeting? Uh, Kenny Smith. I ran into him in the airport when I was uh, 14. He was the point guard for the Houston Rockets championship winning team. Oh. Yeah, my friend Sean and I were at the airport <clears throat> and just saw him sitting there, and we both walked up to him and shook his hand and got his autograph. So I mean, was he cool was just sitting there like 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 in the middle of the terminal, just in a chair, like a normal dude. I'm like, <laughs> we're both like, holy shit, that's Kenny Smith. <laughs> and he actually is on TNT now with Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal and Ernie Johnson. Yeah. Oh, All that's right. cool. Yep. Um, well... I don't know if this counts or not, but I, have you guys ever heard of Romper Room, the TV yeah. show? Yeah, yeah. And I well, see, I see Timmy, and I see Joel. Well, with the way that show worked, and the way that the like the licensing worked on it, there was in every state they had a version of that that aired locally, and I was on an episode that aired locally. So I don't so know. So you counts. said you're the celebrity that you met. Well, I don't remember who was the host, so I don't know if she was famous in any way or not, but. I figured I'd shoehorn that in there, but uh, so he either didn't get the word celebrity mm-hmm. or remember. <laughs> I mean, I was on a TV show that everybody knows. Late, so later, that host and Margaret. Uh, maybe I, I, I literally don't know. I'd have to ask my mom. But, but, this uh, is a great story, Hansel. But uh, living in Kansas City, uh, whenever we'd go out trick or treating, we'd head down to Mission Hills, where uh, a lot of the the Royals lived. The, he doesn't the remember any of their team. names or anything, but you know. no, we we went to uh, we went to um, George Brett's house and he gave out full size bars. And the one uh, person I specifically remember was uh, we were visiting a relative at St. Luke's Hospital in Kansas City, and on our way back out to our car to go home, Brett Saberhagen was coming in because his wife had gone into labor. Ah, Brett Saberhagen. So he was coming in as we were going out, and so I got to meet him. You know, he's in a bit of a rush, but one of uh, the best relief pitchers of all time. Abraham. Yep, Brett Saberhagen was uh, heading into the hospital as we were leaving. Hmm. Yeah, kind of a strange way to meet somebody, but eh, it counts. Uh, for my part, I'm pretty sure I've told this story on the show before, but uh, I was in like second or third grade and uh, we had a random family outing to Showbiz Pizza because like, I wanted to go. 
And uh, I'm sitting there after having had my pizza and my video games. And uh, I see this guy come in. And I'm like, this guy's familiar. It's a pretty tall, buff, black guy wearing an orange stocking cap. And he walks right by me and goes over to a table where there's a young girl's birthday party. And I'm like, Mom, Dad, that was Mr. T. (laughs) And they both think I'm crazy. They're like, no, that wasn't Mr. T. Uh, Turns out I was absolutely right. That was Mr. T. Like uh, about, I don't know, uh, an hour later, he got sick of wearing the stocking cap inside a busy showbiz pizza with a bunch of screaming kids, had to take it off. So he kind of had to give the game up because that was the only thing keeping all the kids in there pretty much from rushing him. You were a Mr. T fan, though, weren't you? Oh, yeah. And I remember I walked up because, yeah, I was watching the A-team, like, religiously. Please please don't tell me he pitied you. No, he just shook my hand and told me to be good. (laughs) Don't do drugs. That helps. I forgot that advice. (laughs) Yeah. You you walk up to him, and he just immediately starts shaking his head. You're like, no, I'm not a fool. (laughs) Well. It's too late. It's too too late for this one. Pity me for I am foolish. Aww. Aww. But, uh... Like, wouldn't that be like getting, you know, getting roasted by Don Rickles, though? Right. That would be awesome. I met Mr. T, and he pitied me. Man. That's way better. If I had had gotten roasted by Rickles, that would be amazing. I would be crying and smiling at the same time. Which is the appropriate reaction. Yeah. So, um... My dad used to work years ago for a bank that no longer exists called Continental Bank. And we would have tickets to the annual Christmas show that they would have every year for the families. I love this story. And we saw, who did we see? We saw, um, well, we saw Bill Cosby. We saw Harry Blackstone Jr. We saw um, Ray Stevens one year. (laughs) Which was kind of kind of weird and kind of awesome because I don't know. Was he naked? Guitars and unfortunately, it was a family show. There was no streak. There was no streak at that time. But I do recall that he was doing an Elvis impersonation, and he kept throwing like he had a scarf, and he would throw the scarf into the audience, and then he would he like goes back into his bag and pulls out a roll of toilet paper and puts and makes himself another scarf, and he was throwing toilet paper scarves out. That's really all I remember out of Ray Stevens. They were doing like handshaking at the end. And so I, Ray Stevens was cool, really goofy, shook hands. Hey, yo, glad to be here. Ah, you know, being Ray Stevens, Harry Blackstone Jr., very exactly what you would expect of the son of one of the greatest magicians type of guy. And he had, he had an amazing show. He did everything with like cut the woman in half. Uh, he had, you know, the doves and all that going on. Um, and then I met Bill Cosby and I must've really liked it because I don't remember anything after that. <laughs> uh, uh, I should have seen that one coming. Uh, so, so should, should all of them. <laughs> uh, but no, we it, we just got to shake their hands. They all seem cool. But my my big thing for the then being a Chicagoan, I am in a rare group, rare Venn diagram of people who have been on the Bozo Show more than once. Uh, those of you that did, did not, did he pity you? He, <laughs> He recognized me. You're back. What the hell? Now who's flexing? Yeah, right. <laughs> so if you're not in Chicagoland, the waiting list to get on the Bozo show started at like it was like a seven year wait to get on this show. So my mom, when she found out that she was pregnant with me, put in for tickets to see the Bozo show. Okay. So seven years old, I see the Bozo show. We go on there. I got to meet uh, Ray Rayner. 
the Cookie the Cook, Bozo, which in Chicago is a huge thing. Channel 9, the Bozo show was always on every morning while we were getting ready for school. Then the second, two second time, the second and third time, my sister was in Girl Scouts and they had apparently got tickets for the Girl Scout troop to go see. And they had more tickets than Girl Scouts. And both times it was like, hey, Michael, you want to go see the Bozo show? Yeah, sure. So I wind up. So then I'm like 10 years old sitting with the Girl Scouts. And then I think I was like maybe 12 or 13 the final time. So you've got all these Girl Scouts. My sister's five years younger than me. And and they're sitting around and I'm like this really awkward 13 year old surrounded by Girl Scouts. And like at one point or another, the cameraman kind of like focused in on me. I was just kind of like this. Look at this guy. He doesn't know how to feel right now. He's like. You know, it was it was really kind of weird, but I got to meet. Um, he, in fact, did not know how to feel. I did not know how to feel. I was just surrounded by Girl Scouts. I was like, at least give me a hat so I look like I blend in. But uh, I got to meet all the guys on the Bozo show, uh, Wizzo, Cookie, the Cook, and Bozo. Bozo called me Curls, ruffled my hair. Hey, Curls, hope you had a good time. It was a good time. It was fun. It, in fact, was a good time. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that beats Romper Room. And I actually met people on there. That's the yeah. thing. Because he, was... he had a clear memory of the host. <laughs> yeah. So what's the worst celeb that you've met in the event? So we're thinking like 2000, everything before 2000. Okay. Well, before I can answer this question, I'm going to need a, um, dis- not a disclaimer, a um, An audible qualification of a, what is a celebrity. Would you consider poker players a celebrity, ones that have been, been on television and like are big names and stuff? I would because I'm sure some of our listeners follow a World Series of Poker and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, okay, well then, uh, so I have met a, a, I mean, just pretty much anybody you can name in poker. Um, I have met uh, one way or another. Played Kenny with... Rogers. Does he play poker? Well, he's the gambler, right? Yeah, no, long summer's evening. Jesus Christ. So, like you know, your your Daniel Negranos and Phil Helmuth, uh, uh, Doyle Brunson, um, Mike Matiso, and all those guys. You know, all, anybody that you can name, like a decent name, Joe Hashem, all those guys. Yeah, I've I've met or dealt or played with almost all of them in a tournament. I knocked T.J. Cloutier out of a tournament who has many World Series bracelets. Um, so yeah, uh, as far as poker goes, I've met a lot of those quote unquote celebrities. And if I'm going to pick one of those as, you know, if you're going to count those as celebrities, then the biggest dick I've ever met possibly in life, uh, would be Sam Farhoff. Not Helmuth. Okay. Helmuth is funny enough, a decent dude away from the tables. Really? really, Yeah, he really, I mean, no joke. He really is like, he's, I mean, I've shook his hand several times. He's a nice guy. You know, I mean, that's the funniest thing about Phil Helmuth is everybody that knows him will tell you what a nice guy is when he's not playing poker. Um, Sam Farha by, by far is one. I mean, he's from Houston. He plays in the games that I deal in on a fairly, I, I have dealt to him in my profession on a daily basis for, um, and he is a, just an asshole. I mean, and there's not a person in poker that will deny that he is. I mean, he's the only reason anybody tolerates him is because he has money and he's almost broke now. So he's really, so people aren't tolerating legs. him as much now. Exactly. He's having, yeah. he's finding it harder and harder to find a game because he's just an unpleasant dude. And he makes the games uncomfortable when he's around because he berates the dealers. He's, you know, he's an asshole to players. He doesn't like, you know, if he's losing, he's really on, you know, really miserable. If he's winning, he's like o- overly fakely happy, you know, and he's just, I mean, he's just, he's a, he's a bad loser and a worse winner and he's a shitty tipper and he's just, he's, I just, I, I don't like him as a person and I hope he hears this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Tell us how you really feel. I, we, he and I have had it out a couple times at the table before. I mean, he probably, I, I guarantee you, he would, he would act like he doesn't even remember me. But yeah, he, he remembers me. We've, I've called Tussle. him an ass. I've called him an asshole to his face. So, oh well, there you go. Yeah, he, he told. This is a true story. A buddy of mine was dealing to him um, in Las Vegas at the big game in, uh, in what's called Bobby's room at the Bellagio. It's like a, you know, everybody has like twenty five thousand in front of him, and, and Sam Farhaw's stuck like a hundred thousand, and he's gambling it up and being a real jerk, and everybody, you know, and everybody's celebrating that they're taking his money. And uh, some he loses a big pot to somebody, and that person he lost it to said something funny, not even related to poker, and the dealer laughed, and that pissed Sam Farhaw off, and he told everybody that if they tipped him for the rest of the night, if they gave him a dollar, he was going to pick up his chips and leave. Wow. Yep. Yikes. So like everybody right. had to make an effort to go find him, all, you know, later and give him money. Yeah, it's, that's a true story. That's that's a pretty big dick move. Yep. Wow. Huh. So well, well, well you. Uh, <laughs> right. And he played. Um, his biggest claim to fame is uh, you know, the the World Series of Poker Championship that uh, Chris Moneymaker won. I'm sure you guys have at least heard that name. Yeah, I have in heard two, that name. In 2004 or 2003, that, that kind of caused the poker boom. Uh, he's the guy that placed second to, to Moneymaker. Farha is? Yeah. Hmm. He famously said before the main event, he had to win the main event to break even for the whole series, which is a million-dollar first place. So he was a million dollars stuck in all the games of the World Series up to then. All right. Yeah. So what about when you were bartending in Chicago? Oh, God. Uh, I met a ton of people. Um well, first of all, um, the guys from Winger, uh, one of the guys from Winger was nice. dating was dating one of the bartenders at uh, the Hang Up, one of the bars I worked at for a while. So they would come in every now and then if they were in town or whatever, and they'd come down the stairs, and whoever was DJing, it was a common thing we'd always play. She's only 17 every time they showed up. Um, and they were, they were nice guys. Um, nothing, nothing really to report about them. They were just hanging out at the bar and drink and they were real, you know, pretty nice guys. Donald Gibb, Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds oh. was a, was a regular at the biker bar next door to the hang up. And he would frequently come into the hang up, you know, just to, yeah. And he was a real nice guy. I mean, he really I, was. I was hoping you would say that. Yeah. Cause... He was, he was a lot of fun. Very, very, you know, just, just real boisterous and people would always come up to him and, you know, call him Ogre and everything. And he would gladly just go, yeah. I mean, yeah, he loved it. So, um, Bill Wennington was a semi-regular, the, the center for the Bulls in their first championship run. He was a semi-regular at one of the bars I worked at. Um, Kerry Wood came into uh, came into one of the bars I was bartending at one night. The pitcher from the Cubs. Uh, I worked a bar down here in Houston once that was a kind of exclusive. Uh, it was it was no it was urban and known for being very uh, popular with a lot of hip hop stars. And there were some hip hop stars that came in that I didn't know. I mean, I'm just gonna flat out say that. But yeah, we had a lot of hip hop guys come through. But Javale McGee from the NBA, that dude is like oh. seven, seven foot two and enormous. Like he stood up on the stage at one point and spread his arms out over all the girls that were dancing, and it just looked like something out of a fantasy book. Like it, he, he looked like he was the size of five women. <laughs> yeah, he's a big dude. I remember when he came to Denver to start playing. Yeah. He's fun to watch. And that same bar, Nate Diaz came in. Um, I got to serve him a couple drinks and shake his hand. Uh, he's from you know MMA. And Floyd Mayweather was there once. I didn't get to officially meet Floyd Mayweather because he had just too much entourage around him. But I served them a couple bottles of champagne. I served the group, you know, and he sat in my VIP section. But I didn't, mm. you know, I was the VIP bartender, but I didn't get to interact with him at all. Uh, so that's uh, that's some of the bar. Uh, one of my favorite interactions of all time, actually, uh, was. Uh, was um oh my god i just blanked on his name um eddie money oh I how was, was he i was bartending i was uh djing 
uh, one night at Bootleggers. I don't know if you guys remember that place. Um, yeah. And he was bar hopping all around Division Street, and we, you know, it was kind of one of those things where the word just spread. Everybody knew he was jumping around. So he comes in the Bootleggers, and it's a real slow night. We've got maybe twelve people in the whole bar, and he comes in, and he's got both of his uh, backup dancers, backup singers. You know, the, the two black girls that are in all his videos, they're with him, and he is. He is just fucked up. I mean, he is so like, and and they're just kind of basically his crutches as he walks around. They're a little bit tipsy themselves, but he is just gone. And he walks, you know, and they walk over to, you know, they, and, and one of the girls is ordering the drinks, and the, and two of them come over to the to where I am at the DJ booth. And he says to me, he's like, "Oh, you got any of my any of my CDs?" And I say, I say, "Yeah." And I show him, I show him that I've got his greatest hits. And he and he was he was, he was first of all like semi impressed that I knew who he was immediately because he didn't he didn't introduce himself or anything and I had it pulled out and ready for him because I knew he was going to be coming and he like well, he he grabs a CD out of my hands takes a marker out of his pocket signs it for me and hands it back to me he goes play tracks three eight and twelve and he just walks off. <laughs> <laughs> And he goes and sits at the bar for a little while, and I play his songs for him. And he's just there; there, the three of them are all just you know singing to his songs, and you know it's pretty cool. He tipped the bartender like fifty bucks and walked out. That's all he could afford. <laughs> I mean, it was it was an interesting interesting encounter with him. Um, oh, you know what? Let me real quick go back to a couple of stories of people I met from poker. Uh, one oh. night I was dealing, and Cato Kalen was playing at my table. Another yeah. night I was dealing, and uh, Allison Hannigan was at my table. I don't know who that is. Um, Willow the from Buffy. Yeah, the Willow from Buffy. Oh, the, okay. the redhead from How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, one time at Bandcamp. Uh, back in the day when I lived in Las Vegas, the Bellagio was going through some remodeling, and um, they moved all of the poker tables out into one of the pits. They just took all the, the uh, table games out, and so like you know, instead of having all the the high stakes games separated off to the side, like you could have a a, a one two no limit sitting next to a one hundred two hundred no limit. And I just happened to, at one point, be, you know, uh, be sitting several different days in a row at the two five no limit table, right next to like the the literally like the five hundred one thousand uh, no limit table, and it was like always Toby McGuire and like two or three other people playing. And this was at the point in, in Toby's life where he was tired of being Spider Man and he had that Mountain Man beard. Mm. Yeah, and he was he was kind of unpleasant, <laughs> just in general. He didn't want anybody talking to him except for the waitresses. So those were two more, you know, so a couple more poker run-ins. So yeah, and there's probably some more people in the bars, you know, in my in- interactions at the bars. I'm probably forgetting. I'm sure. What about right, you, that's Joel? The, that's the end of that talk for now. I got yeah. more. This has been my TED talk. When, when we when we talk about who I've served as a server, then we can go in again. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Um. Well, before we get, I mean, at some point I'll get to the. There's just I just drew up a general list of people through Val's, but. Uh, the, the one other person I met independently was I went to a Star Trek convention uh, at one point uh, in high school, and I went and met Marina Sirtis, got her autograph. Hmm. Very nice lady, but boy, she would fit in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> she is a very tiny woman, like very tiny. Uh, and it was kind of shocking. I was like, oh, my God, you're so small. But, yeah, I have her autograph picture downstairs in a box somewhere, tucked away. Spinner. Dude. <laughs> Josh, what about you, man? That wouldn't have been as good if there wasn't a two-second pause. I'm just well, going to ignore that. If we're kind of on worst celebrity, uh, although he's passed away now, the worst celebrity was someone who I waited in line to see uh, who I didn't even really want to see. That would be Jeff Conaway. Kaneki from Greece. You waited to see him? 
Well, there was a reason. Uh, someone who was an acquaintance of mine had a collection of Babylon 5 cards, uh, and every major cast member on the show, uh, he had a signed picture except for Jeff Conaway. Okay. So, yeah, he was a uh, fairly major character in the uh, later seasons of Babylon 5. And when I got up there uh, to get Zach Allen's autograph, I I didn't realize it was going to cost me 15 bucks. And he was just, like, not talking to anybody. He was just, like, having someone collect his 15 bucks and signing. That's kind of douchey. Which actually reminds me, uh, I did something similar, waited in line for an autograph, um... For my ex-wife, I met James Marsters. I was gonna say you, I mean, you, 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 you she made you stand in line for her autograph. <laughs> Standing no. outside. Is it time yet? No. No, I, I met James Marsters and got his autograph. He's oh, actually cool. a really nice guy. Like like generally nice guy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Josh. Just made me think of it when you're talking about standing in line. Yeah, I mean, there were a few other convention experiences. Uh, actually, the nicest uh, celebrity also comes from a convention experience, and that was the year they had Dor- George Takei at Gen Con. Aww. George Takei took forever to get to his booth because he stopped and shook the hand and talked to everyone from the hall door all the way to his booth. Wow. So I didn't have to wait in line to meet George Takei. That's he just cool. was like randomly in the crowd in front of me. He just seems like such a nice guy. He was. He is, as far as I know. Hey, he's still alive. Well, no, I mean, he's still a nice guy. <laughs> no, he, oh. Josh is afraid he's become a dick. <laughs> I'm trying to think, because I was at the coffee shop for a while, and remembering that I had uh, John Cusack came in once, when I think it was when, when they were filming Gross Point Blank, when I was at the Caribou in Oak Park. And the conversation went, you know, working the register, looking down, had enough coffees, looked up. Wow. Oh, you're John Cusack. And he was like, yes, I am. And took the coffee and left. <laughs> and so it was kind of like <clears throat> briefly disenchanted with him. Um, other person that came in was uh, Fisher Stevens. Oh, yeah. He he walked. Uh, um, uh, he was they were filming at uh, Chicago Evening Edition or something like that. Yeah. In Oak Park. Yeah. He walked. He was they were filming outside of Val's at one point. Yeah. So he came into the. He came in uh, to the coffee shop for coffee, and I I recognized him. And, oh, wow, you know, hey, Mr. Stevens, very cool. I'm a fan. He's like, oh, yeah, and God help me. I, oh, what's, what's, what, you know, I love your stuff. Oh, what's your favorite movie? And the only one I could come up with. Short Circuit. Was My Science Project. Oh, that's a little more respectable. Yeah, I was like, My Science Project. I thought you were great in that one. He's like, oh, yeah, it was kind of, kind of fun. Thanks. You and then he the left wrong and was just like, okay, apparently he didn't really jive on that. But well, at least he didn't say weird science or something. And he's like, I wasn't in that. <laughs> oh, well, you should watch it. It's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you guys how I met uh, Anne Rice. No. Uh, this was, I, I was walking back uh, from, I don't remember where, but I was just kind of wandering around and I wandered into one of the bookstores near Lake and Harlem. It wasn't Barbara's. It was one that isn't there anymore because uh, it was on the other side of where all this actual stuff is in the shopping center uh, across from the park. And there were a bunch of oh, people waiting yeah. in line. And I didn't have anything better to do, so I waited in the line. <laughs> and, and eventually I got up and I, I like three back. I was like, oh, that's Anne Rice. I know who that is. And she's like, do you have anything for me to say? I was like, no, just just in this line. I wanted to meet you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> kind of walked off. I saw people standing in line, didn't have anything to do, so I got in the line. All right. Yeah, I, I didn't go go that far with it. 
Actually, you working in Oak Park, a lot of us, like there are a lot of regulars uh, who, like I also had uh, Kerry Wood in. He wrote a check and like one of the high school kids wanted his ideas. Like, no, dude, he's good for it. <laughs> yeah. He, he can afford a remote control car. <laughs> um, Maybe two. Uh, John hey, don't Mahoney. get crazy now. Yeah, John Mahoney was all over in Oak Park. Yeah, John Mahoney came into the hobby shop. That was one of mine. He was a good friend of Al's and a really nice guy, actually. Yeah, I was gonna say he must have wandered into every business in Oak Park. Yeah, he's he he was missed when he passed away. Yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting more who came into Hobby Town, but that's uh, the, those are the ones off the top of my head. Well, speaking of Al's. Um, uh, I remember when Casper, DJ Casper, the guy who wrote the Cha Cha Slide, came in and was trying to sell us, have us sell his CDs on consignment. Kind of a dick, um, but probably the 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 kind of weirdest encounter uh, was this guy came in and he looked kind of familiar to me, and I was like, why do I know that guy's face? And he was shopping around, and he came up to the counter and he was asking a question, and I was like, you look familiar, and he's like, I, I used to be in a band, but you probably wouldn't know who I was. And I was like, oh, what band were you in? And he was, I was like, I was in Life, Sex, and Death. I'm like, oh, Stanley. And he's like, you know who I am? I'm like, yeah, I fucking love that. That Silent Majority album is fantastic. He's like, God, nobody ever knows who I am. And so we sat there and chatted for like a half an hour about just music in general and, and you know, the band. And because he had created a whole character where he, in the band, supposedly they found a homeless guy on the street made him the lead singer and he would do crazy shit on stage. Like he had big thick Coke bottle glasses on and wore like a dirty suit and occasionally pissed himself and just really weird kind of antics to create this character. And if you go to YouTube and look up life, sex and death, Stanley, there's they're like, we're on 120 minutes at one point And like he was in character, but totally normal guy in real life. And uh, yeah, had a really nice chat with him. It was kind of like one of those moments where you're like, you meet this guy that used to listen to his music in high school and, then it turns oh, out he probably made his year, man. I don't know. Maybe it, it was fun though. And I have a feeling like Wesley Willis came in at some point, but I, I just can't recall for sure if it happened or if I just remember misremembering it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause he used to go around all over the place and, you know, try and have people sell his CDs. And I remember like my recollection is, is that he came in and he didn't want to do consignment. And then he left kind of upset, but I'd have to go back and talk to my coworkers and see if that was actually a thing that happened. And then John Mahoney. Yeah. Well, I think we kind of talk this one out. And uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about celebrities we have interacted with post-2000. I think this might be a little bit more, I don't say aggressive. (laughs) Aggressive. Stuff's going to happen. So we'll be back in a little bit. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk about celebrity encounters for the now. So post-2000, I believe, I mean, same questions, post-2000, celebrities. Now, this is when we were all going to Gen Con in full uh, every year type of thing. So I'm sure we have some celebrity meetings from there outside of, like, getting autographs. But uh, Yeah, I mean, I met a few authors, you know, not like any of the big names or anything, a few sci-fi authors. Joel and I went to a writing seminar together, and we met uh, Kaz Johnson. Who's he now? She. She. She's a sci-fi writer. She's written oh. a couple episodes of like Star Trek Voyager and things like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
And for those who know who Peter Adkinson is, uh, the C- one-time CEO of Wizards of the Coast, uh, Mike and I went out drinking with him at karaoke. And I actually have uh, run into Peter several times uh, at the uh, uh, Gamma Trade Show. Uh, he was uh, legendary for being a poker player who uh, would get super drunk, had seemingly unlimited money, and couldn't play for shit once he'd had a few drinks. <laughs> so I took quite a few of his dollars. As well, you should have. He wasn't using them. Right, exactly. Then he could go and get Anne Rice's autograph <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I never met anybody. I mean, like in, in the instant game show years at Gen Con, and I never waited in line for anybody's autograph. I, I could never justify spending money to get an autograph. I don't know. Always seemed kind of hanky to me. Yeah, I was but. never big into paying for an autograph. I mean, but I've never really been big into getting autographs anyway. But the one time in Milwaukee, Joel, where we wound up in the uh, in the presidential suite of the Hilton. Yeah, that's that's a different. That's pre instant game show. <laughs> that's pre instant game show, and that's where we met. Yeah. Um, Mark Reinhagen was there. He met Mark Reinhagen. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I really love your stuff. Oh, cool, thanks. And he passed me a joint. I'm like, oh, no, thank you. Um, all right, he was cool. Uh, Gary Gygax was up there. I mean, it was like all these gamers. I don't even know how the hell we wound up there either. That's the thing. I just remember it being very dark with a lot of people and, and music. Yeah. Like, it felt kind of skeevy in a way, like gamer, like a gamer skeevy party, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, that's exactly what it was. It was the yeah. skeeviest of all gamer parties. So, And I um, missed it. Yeah. Uh, I met John Delancey. Skeevy, skeeviest of all gamers, and I missed it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you met Q? Yeah. yeah. I met Q. <laughs> I met Q in the dark times when I was still playing uh, the LARP games. Oh yeah, <laughs> there was a vampire game going on, and we all we needed to have a point to have a discussion. And someone's like, "Let's just jump into the elevator, and we'll talk in the elevator." I was like, "Okay, cool." We all ran in the elevator. So you got all these yahoos that run in in full costumes that are talking about this game. We turn on. There's John Delancey standing in the corner, like we're about to like rip him from piece to piece. It was just, he was just like, "Hi, like we're we're playing a game. Nice to meet you." Big fan of your stuff. See, we ran into Buff Bagwell in an elevator one year. He was not afraid we were going to rip him anything. <laughs> no. He's like, I dare you. <laughs> yeah, come on, nerd. <laughs> but no, Gen Con, there was a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I got to talk a little bit to the Violent Femmes when they showed up the one year. That's was, cool. Yeah, they yeah. were. They And that was, that was kind of strange, too, the way they brought them on. It's because they had, that was the year that they had the big party under the overpass. Yeah, I'm so yep. sad I missed that one. You hit, uh, you hit me up the, as the concert was starting. You're like, I'm watching the Violent Femmes. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, you're not going to believe who just walked on. But it was so funny because Gordon comes out and they had a, like a whole bunch of garage bands playing. It was like they had a bunch of people sign up to play everybody's standing around talking and uh kind of like yeah okay and somebody else gets on stage where it kind of looks yeah garage band the background music and then gordon gets up there and he's wearing a gold lame trench coat and like these elton john glasses and everybody does the looks garage band goes back to what they're doing and real quietly he just goes i like american oh. music and the whole time there was almost like a whoosh as everyone's heads turn back to their and crazy night because they played. And then suddenly Gordon's like, I want to bring up my friend, Philip Glass. And so Philip Glass comes up on stage and then Gordon and Philip Glass are doing a duet on electric violin and keyboard about my high school teacher wanted me to learn, either learn how to speak French or take over the world. So I took over the world because it was easier. <laughs> that was the whole theme of the song. And then they hung out for a little bit and chatted to people. I mean, just as screwy as you'd expect. Yeah, it's a strange pairing strange pairing yes it is 
Weird. But uh, some of the other people I met along those lines in the game world, um, Mike Selinker. Yeah, we all yeah. met him. We've yeah. all met him. He, those of you that don't know, he's big part of uh, Rise of the Rune Lords is one of his games, a Pathfinder, one of the Pathfinder games. He's it, usually, if there's a game and it's good, you can find his name somewhere on it. To uh, clarify, his the, he's uh, responsible for the Pathfinder adventure card game version of Rise of the Rune Lords. Yes. I clarify so. that because Patrick is currently playing my campaign of Rise of the Rune Lords, which Mike Selinker did not write. <laughs> no. But I was they're... impressed there for a second. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we also had Andy Looney was a, uh, oh, a yeah. guest on Instant Game Show. And Andy Looney, you may not know him, but you may have played his games. Uh, he's the creator of Looney Labs, who made the game Flux, which now has a million different variations on it. So we got to meet him the one year. And Josh, uh, game designer, did uh, cheap-ass games. Oh, James Ernest. Yeah, James Ernest was, before you guys joined up with me, James Ernest was on Instant Game Show with Mike Selinker playing, they had, like, Gamer Celebrity Day that day. Yeah. Yeah, he's another poker player. He's he's significantly better than Peter. <laughs> <laughs> but the weirdest one, the early years of Indianapolis, when I moved to Indianapolis, I was just hanging out in the con hall once, the dealer hall, just kind of bopping from table to table, seeing what they had. And there was one dude, I come around the corner, and it, it looked like one of the gamers who, that had been sleeping on the benches instead of having a hotel kind of like sat behind the table and there was nobody there. I was just walking by like, Hey, how you doing? He's like, Hey, did you want an autograph? And I'm like, I'm sorry. What? And I'm looking at this guy who's got like greasy hair. Oh yeah. I'm Jesus. Yeah. Do you want an yeah. autograph? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> all right, all right. Greasy hair. You know, he's got like dandruff on his shoulders. There is a, I mean, looks, looks, you know, road hard and put away wet. You know, that's, and that's how like, we met Josh. No, that's how I met Brad Dorf. Nice. Yeah, oh, that's Yeah, I didn't know you met him. That's cool. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of weird because we're like, yeah, no, no, I'm okay. I'm like he's like, all right, whatever, man, and then walked off. But he was, everyone else was like, there are other lines and that sort of thing. But they put him like on the side of the signing booths, so I don't know if people didn't know he was there or something like that. But he was not. I mean, I'm, you know, I was almost like, wow, man, you really got into worm tongue, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of sad. Oh, well. Now, Patrick probably has the coolest in terms of the coolest person he's hung out with uh, celebrity-wise, but uh, I think I have the honor of possibly the coolest celebrity experience. Uh, I used to run uh, a convention in the Chicagoland area, a game convention called the Ides of March. And in general, uh, the four days... Uh, especially in the years where there was a hotel bar. Like if I was not busy collecting money or answering questions or putting out fires, I was holding court in the hotel bar. And one year there was a horror movie convention in town the same year. And the first night uh, we got set up early and we pretty much had taken over the bar. And I'm kind of at the head of the central table in the hotel bar and the horror convention comes out. And at one point I look to my left and uh, my buddy Dean is no longer there. I'm like, who is this guy? He's, he's not with the con. I was like, holy fuck, that's Tom Savini. <laughs> that's awesome. He just sat down at the table. So like, cause he was curious what was going on. Cause the party was already rolling. So yeah, I, I spent a night out drinking with sex machine. Nice. Which is, that, I'm still jealous of. That's awesome. That, I'm yeah, 100% jealous of. And and he was as cool as I hope he was? Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, he was very, very down to earth. I mean, that was the thing. He was curious about us. Uh, he, he wasn't so much like, hey, I'm Tom Savini. 
<laughs> he's like, hey, what's going on over here? Yeah, so he talked to him about the convention. He's like, oh, yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah, we're in town for a convention as well. So, yeah. Very and cool. I, I, I knew which convention he was in town for because yeah, right across the street. <laughs> but, yeah. What about you, Joel? Uh, well, speaking of conventions, um, there was the time I went uh, with you to uh, the Comic-Con and in downtown Chicago. And I, I think I've told the story before where I was kind of uh, I knew Tim Vigil was going to be there, who's one of my art comic book heroes. And I, so I was kind of lurking around the area and, and like nobody was coming up to him. He just kind of sitting there drawing. Occasionally a person would, you know, stop and kind of look at his stuff and then move on. And so eventually I, I brought a bunch of comics with me and I brought them over and went up and I'm like, hey. And he's like, oh, how you doing? And he's like, you got some stuff for me to sign? I'm like, yeah. So I put down and he's kind of thumbing through the various things I brought. Like I brought the first issue of Faust and Grips and Zero Tolerance and uh, EO. And he's like, wow, you got some, you got a, you know, quite a collection here of, of things. He's like, I don't even think I have a copy of this. And uh, he signed them all. And I stopped and chatted for him with a bit, you know, for a bit and really nice guy, you know, I, not a huge artist in terms of like people know who he is, but uh, Faust, although it was a shitty movie directed by Brian Usna, it's now being made into an animated series. And uh, so you may be hearing that name a little more, that and David Quinn, um, hmm. the co-creator of Faust, which I don't know how they're going to turn that into a series, but I don't know how they're going to make it viewable on whatever <laughs> thing it's going to be on. That's Faust is some uh, straight up violent stuff, man. Yeah, a lot of sex and violence. I yeah, I'm not quite sure how that's going to carry over, but yeah. When, uh, when I was in high school, one of my buddies, Dan, he got his he got his comics confiscated once, and Faust was in there, and that was a holy hell raising up in, yeah. in high school. <laughs> oh uh, my god, that was crazy. But um, no, that was a that was at C two E two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was geeked about it. I still yeah. some of my favorite things I've got are those books. That's awesome. Now, I also met the same celebrity twice, but didn't recall it the second time initially, because when I used to work for Starbucks and for we had a new new guy coming in the morning, new customer saying hi to him, you know, that sort of thing. Really cordial, very friendly. And uh, it was one of those things like I knew him. You know what I mean? Uh, I knew who he was. I could not figure out why I knew him. So after he came through by like about a week, he would come in every morning, he would get a coffee and like a donut or something. And finally I was like, all right, who, you know, were you a teacher? You know, I was like, he's like, why do you, why do you ask? He's like, cause I have this feeling that I saw, I seen you every day. He's like, I, I, for some reason I can't place your face, but I know I have seen you every day when I was a kid. And I was wondering if you were a teacher in Bolingbroke or, you know, I rattled off some of the places my schools were. He's like, no, 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 never been to school. But, but he's like, I can't understand why you think I would have seen you every day. You've seen me every day. And he goes, just think about it. And he leaves. So now every time he comes in, he's like, figured it out yet? I'm like, I got nothing. You got a hint for me? He's like, nah, not yet. So I would think about it, come back in, think about it, come back in. So finally he comes in like, you need to give me a hint. He's like, all right. And he looks at me and he makes these crazy ass eyes and holds his hands up like he's doing like a little magic trick. Holy crap, it was Wizzo the Wiz. <laughs> <laughs> 
from the Bozo Show. And the he, yeah, he was, and I'm, and it was it, his real name was Marshall Brodine. You know, tons of people had his magic kits when they were growing up. That was that was his big thing. He sold like little kids magic magic uh, sets to learn how to do tricks and all that sort of thing. But he was like, yeah, I'm I'm Wizzo the Wiz, and I was like, I was freaking out. I'm like, it's Wizzo. I'm like, and I saw you when I was a kid. I don't know. I'm talking like, and I'm turning to the kids that I'm working with at the Starbucks. I'm like, it's Wizzo, Wizzo the Wiz. And they're like, yeah awesome mike cool and they had no clue of it the only other you know i i called some of my other friends out all the chicago and friends and told them about it they got all stoked about it so that made me feel good but he drove a uh you know black mercedes s series with the license plate just whiz (laughs) and he also had a uh magic museum in his house so he had like uh, stuff from uh blackstone senior he had stuff from harry houdini he had all this like like relics of the old magicians in there so i swung by his house once and you know he gave me his business card swung by the house and he showed me some of the cool stuff that he had and he's a very cool guy he passed away got about two three years ago i had a dark turn well i mean <clears throat> he wasn't exactly young when he was doing the doing <laughs> the bozo show so well, speaking of celebrities you met that have passed away, uh, when I was going to shows in high school, um, this would have been, well, probably should have been in the now, but I just thought of it when you said that. Uh, one of the shows, one of the two times I saw Guar after the show, Dave Brocky and uh, Slymenster Hyman, I can't think of her real name right now, had taken off their makeup and they came off stage. And, you know, we're going to go out to the bar and have a drink with everybody because he was at a, a, a bar, the uh, bottleneck in Lawrence, Kansas. And I was like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, shook his hand. He's like, yeah, did you enjoy the show? I'm like, yeah, good time. You know, just kind of shook both their hands and they went off to go enjoy the rest of their night. And, of course, Dave Brocky passed away like six years ago, maybe. It's mm-hmm. been a while. He had They had drug issues, but... Yeah, I got to meet them. And it's, and at the bottleneck, speaking of people that are still alive, shut up, Patrick, here. Um, I went and saw the Some Girls uh, in, in sort of in 2003, which is Juliana Hatfield, uh, Frida Love, and uh, Heidi Gluck. And after the show, I got to meet Frida and got my picture taken with her. And then I met Juliana Hatfield, got my picture taken, talked to her for a couple minutes. She, like, spent time with everybody that came up to talk to her. Um, was hugging people and chatting and really just nice person. Um, She's Heidi my favorite Gluck. out of all three of those. And <laughs> I don't, I don't even know any of them. So Heidi Gluck. Well, well, I know one of them. No. Oh, Heidi Gluck sounds like something that goes wrong with your throat. <laughs> well, Freed is in a band now called uh, uh, Sunshine Boys, and they uh, she she lives in Illinois, and they tour around out here a lot. Oh. Um, we saw them. Right before COVID, we saw them with uh, Julianne Hatfield, actually. I just was throwing so. round, like roundabout shade at Juliana Hatfield. She's the only one three I but I like Frida. <laughs> Everybody likes Frida. She's a good drummer. Oh, wait. Is she the... Okay, no, that's not the same. Never mind. I was going to say, from the one... The drummer from the one video that you posted that one time, in, but it was no, that was a different band that had a, a, a male. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know. Where there there was a this. podcast where you 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 introduced us to a band, and it was a female drummer, a female lead singer, and a dude, and they were playing in a basement. It's not important anymore, so move along. Because okay. I can't oh, think no, of the that name. Was of gripping. Well, I can, we we can talk about Wizzo the Wiz for a, a, a while if you want again. <laughs> We, we all know we are just uh, stalling for the uh, millions of people you serve drinks to or something. <laughs> I have a couple of cool ones, but... Uh...
Go ahead, Pat. Oh, I mean, yeah, okay. Well, let's talk about the, some of the people I've, I've, yeah, I've waited tables for. Um, I'll just start off with the big one. Um, well, actually, there's another one bigger than him, but like the, one of the biggest names I ever like waited when he came into uh, Pete Miller's up in Evanston when I worked there uh, was Michael Jordan himself. Uh, the Michael Jordan, yeah, um, star in, of the Chicago Bulls. The minor league games. baseball star. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that guy who batted 267 in the <laughs> The guy from Space yeah. Jam? And um, he, would, he was with someone that was definitely not his wife, but there was nothing romantic going on, so she could have been his sister for all I know, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really talk to her a whole lot. And, you know, they were both very polite, and he was really nice, and he, you know, he tipped like almost 50%. So no complaints at all. And they were very, very gentle and very, very, gen- I mean, genteel and very nice. And just, I have <laughs> gentle. gentle. Yeah, they were, I don't know why I had gentle, but yeah, just, I mean, he was just a really... His hands char- were like butter. <laughs> charismatic, cool dude. I mean, he just, everything you would think he would be, honestly. Um, let's see, um, yeah. Kevin Dubrow, the lead singer of Quiet Riot, I, uh, he was a, a regular at um, Smith & Walensky when I worked there in Vegas, and I waited on him a couple different times he came in. Uh, Wayne Brady waited on him in a one one place, and you know, just real, real quiet. Um, tipped tipped well, not anything you know spectacular, not anything bad. He was just a, he was an average. You know, he didn't really say a whole lot. It was early in the morning. You know, there was a twenty four hour place I worked at, and so you know, he was just real quiet. And uh, uh, the politicians that I've met, I I've met more politicians and ambassadors and like like state senators and some like actual United States congressmen and things like that all over my career when I worked as a caterer I worked a lot of uh a lot of different events with a lot of big political whatever but the biggest one I ever worked was a fundraiser for Carol Mosley Brown I don't know if you guys remember her Oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I worked yeah, a fund- she was technically a neighbor when I lived on the south side like just like two blocks away Oh nice that's pretty cool but yeah, I worked a fundraiser for her once, and I was the one of the captains, and I I was the um the the head table at the dais. I was the captain for that table, so I was waited on. They did a back the the Secret Service had to do a background check on me because uh, included up there on the dais was obviously Carol Mosley Brown herself, and then Richard M. Daly, the former mayor of Chicago, and uh, Bill Clinton himself made an appearance. Uh, nice, and yeah. they still let you near him, right? <laughs> yep. You passed the background check. Yep. Yep, I passed a background check and uh, and I got to wait on the Secret you Service. Know, it probably was there, like, hey, he's pretty bad, but he's not as bad as Clinton. So, you know. <laughs> and when I tell you, I mean, at this point, I was a Republican, so you know, I it, I wasn't like starstruck as far as like you know, he wasn't like a big like you know bucket list kind of thing. I mean, obviously, it's very cool to meet a president. It doesn't matter who the hell it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you that Bill Clinton has charisma that you can scrape off with a butter knife. I'm not kidding. I mean, he just radiates charisma. I mean, it I he's probably the most the 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 most just just I mean, I can't even use the word enough. The most charismatic man I've ever met in my life. He just he he shook everybody's hand. He was friendly as shit, and I swear to you, almost every woman that worked there was like, "Yeah, I can see why." <laughs> <laughs> Because they were all just like, holy shit, there's just something about him in person that he just, I mean, he just radiates power, wealth, charisma, all that shit. He, just, he, is, a, he is a born politician. So, yeah, and he was a really cool guy, and we had a, the personal interaction that he and I had. Um, he asked me where I was from, and I told him I was from Texas, and he said, well, I probably don't want to ask you who you voted for. <laughs> and I just smiled, and I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, yeah, that, I mean that was that was literally, but yeah. So he was one of the biggest names, probably the biggest name I've ever actually just had like a, a personal interaction with. And, you know, waited I on him for about an hour and a half before he had to leave. I yeah. kind of want to jump in here just because one of my next celebrity encounters is sort of the anti-Bill Clinton. <laughs> Go for it, Hillary. Uh, there were a few years ago. <laughs> A few years ago, I was pretty active in the Chicago improv scene, and uh, I was helping out with Chicago Improv Fest, and there were two keynote-like performers. It was Emo Phillips and Horatio Sands. And I went out drinking with a bunch of the other people who were putting on the festival, and a bunch of us were hanging out in a big circle. And first Emo comes into the bar and Emo is the only person I have ever seen take a rolling suitcase on wheels and drag it through a bar. That was a little odd, but, you know, on brand for Emo. That's Emo, yeah. Right. And then Horatio Sands comes in like he's Mr. Big Nuts. And he had been there had been rumors going around the festival that he was just kind of a dick to everybody. And he kind of joined our circle uninvited, hoping we'd all be really impressed with uh, him. And uh, the girl I was there with, uh, she was visiting from overseas. It's like five foot nothing uh, British Indian girl. Funny as hell comic. But this tiny girl, she turns to him when he's like trying to enter the conversation uninvited. And she says, you know. You're not that funny. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and she's just tiny, pretty, like he has nothing. Like if any of the rest of us had said that to him, he, he might have puffed himself up. But he just kind of like turned on his heel and kind of like slunk to the other end of the bar. Wow. Good on <laughs> That's her. That's awesome. Yeah, that that dude was such a fucking tool. So I was not sure. In fact, the true genesis for this show was uh, the headline that he had just been busted for uh, uh, grooming underage fans. Yeah. Because, yeah, that headline got onto the Discord, and uh, then uh, I told that story on Discord. And then it blossomed into the show. Yeah. Aside from work events, most of my uh, actually like hanging out with celebrities definitely involve drinking and or gambling. Uh, well, I know Patrick's got at least one other big story here. Um, I got a couple of stories, yeah, but I'm I'm going to save the the one we're all waiting for for last. I'm just... But my my last encounters that I could think of um, back when I first started podcasting and was doing the awful show. Um, I, this was back in the early days of podcasting. So there wasn't, you know, it's not like it is now where a bunch of celebrities have their own shows. You could get famous people on your show if you made the right connections. Well, I got pretty good at, at making connections. And, um, the, the first big pull I had was, uh, Adrian King, who was the first final girl in the original Friday the 13th from 1980. Incredibly nice woman. Uh, very funny. And she spent like a half an hour with us on the show just talking um the next one was michael winslow from the police academy movies oh wow oh neat who i still have his phone number in my cell um we he he actually was one of those guys that was kind of hard to get off the show <laughs> like once he started going he just was like kind of like robin williams you know where you turn him on you just can't turn him back off again just did you going. ask him what taggart was like <laughs> I don't remember if that came up, but super nice guy and really funny, a just genuine, genuine guy. Uh, we had Jimmy Pop on from the Bloodhound Gang. It's their Pennsylvania group. So one of the other guys on the show uh, knew him. And uh, then my, my favorite of the bunch was Lloyd Kaufman, founder of Troma. Um, he actually hit on me, which 
was, you know, my, I guess my claim to fame. Um, but he was there promoting. Your claim to fame is that I hit on you. No, that's your general <laughs> status of being. Uh, but he was there promoting Poltergeist when that came out and really nice guy, uh, gave us, you know, again, like a half an hour of his time. Um, and then the only other one, which is kind of a weird poll, and I don't know if you count this as a celebrity or not, but, uh, I got Jim McBride, the founder of Mr. Skin, which Patrick might know who that is. I do. Yeah. He, uh, he came on. And he uh, he gave everybody a, a lifetime subscription to the site. Uh, Mr. Skin was the reason why during the whole Knocked Up movie, I was like, haven't these guys heard of Mr. Skin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we interviewed him. It was just me and one of the other hosts. It was just the two of us that, that interviewed him. But uh, he, he was definitely a salesman, not so much of a kind of fun guy to talk to, just more of a constant pimp of his site. So not the best interaction, but, you know. Can we get him. back to Rampart? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, next. Um, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, interactions with a celebrity involving my father, which is a very specific Venn diagram. Um, he came to Vegas one time when I lived out there and I took him to go see Penn and Teller, who he was fans of. And after the show, Penn and Teller always, you know, stand out in the lobby and greet everybody as they're, as they're leaving. If you, if you, you don't have to, they stand off to the side and you can go up and talk to them. And my father, one of his, one of his favorite memories and something that he talked about as much as he possibly could was the fact, you know, was the fact that he shook Teller's hand and he said, I really love the show. And Teller spoke to him and said, Oh, thank you very much. Oh, ah, that's awesome. <laughs> right. So yeah, I shook Penn and Teller's hand and Teller talked to my father. So that was pretty cool. That is and then, cool. And then there was the time um, I was at a random Costco in um, in fucking I don't know if it was Schaumburg or somewhere, some of the suburbs of Chicago, just a random Costco, and Fabio just happened to be there modeling or, or uh, <laughs> his new line of furs that he had signed up to sell through Costco. And like I was literally, I went to the bathroom and I walked out of the bathroom and I was walking like through the um through back back through the the registers and I got right to where the snacks are and I almost literally ran right into Fabio. He was wearing a a black sweater and leather pants and we almost just ran right into each other and we stopped and he goes, "Do you know where the bathrooms are?" And I pointed at another bathrooms and then he walked off and that was my big interaction, Fabio. Wow! Did he get hit yeah. in the face? Yeah, and then later I, you know, I threw a bird at him. <laughs> Good for you. Here's a rotisserie chicken. It's weird seeing those celebrities in the really, really uh, mundane situations, right? <laughs> when I uh, worked uh, catering for a WWE event, uh, my favorite thing because there were wrestlers all over the place. Uh, uh, great Kali, biggest they, human being I've ever seen. Yeah, I saw I, I saw him in a bar once because he lives in a suburb of, of Houston, so I've seen him in a bar like a couple times actually, and he is a giant. Yeah, but the funniest thing was just I'm eating my lunch when I get up break and I'm able to. Eat eat some of the food and at the next table over you got rick flair and dusty Rhodes bitching about their cell phone plans <laughs> like the entire meal they're complaining about their cell phones that is amazing that's yeah that's not something wow yeah i, mean, I remember fun. the very the very first time like you know as a young wrestling fan because i like i like we did in the wrestling show you talked about i've been to several wrestling events throughout my life and the very first time it was just completely no doubt confirmed to me that it was all fake because I tried to like fight it as long as I could. But I was like, I just know this has got to be bullshit because I've been in fights and I know you, you get black eyes and shit, you know. 
so I was at a, an event when, and I was right by the exit, you know, by the by the curtains, and I watched two guys go through the curtains, punching each other, and as soon as they got through the curtains, they just both just stopped fighting and walked away from each other. And I was like, no, oh. <laughs> the magic is gone. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to count like some wrestlers, I've sh- you know I've slapped hands with wrestlers and stuff like that, but I've never actually met like a wrestler face to face, other than you know like even the great Kali, I've seen him in a bar, but I didn't talk to him. I very briefly uh, after a work event, uh, one time in Vegas at the Game Manufacturers Association the Gamma Show, uh, the keynote speaker was John Rice Davies, and that oh, man loves to talk. One of your favorite people, uh, yeah, uh, Sala, and he. Uh, Everyone wanted to hear stories from his entire career, and he ran over his time by like an hour, and nobody said anything because we were all just spellbound. He's like a Kevin Smith. Yeah, and he's a huge dude too, but like he's that sort of big where like when he's sitting at a table, he kind of has to hunch over. You could tell like his his spine almost isn't supporting his size anymore, Hmm. so it's hard for him to sit all the way up. But yeah, I, I got to shake his hand and say hello. So that was fun. That's cool. And then I'll tell you one other just little fun story just because it was, well, just because it's fun. Um, one night, uh, one morning more more likely, because um, after after all the nightclubs would close at 5 in the morning, we'd do all the paperwork, do all the inventory, do all the, you know, whatever. And we'd be done like 6, 6.30 in the morning when it was typical for, you know, half of the crew to go to breakfast while the other half just went home. And we were sitting there at this breakfast joint one time, and somebody points out, they're like, you know, hey, that's that's Steve from the Jerry Springer show over there. And this was before he had his own show. You know, he was the the, the big, you know, the big bald bouncer guy on the Jerry Springer show. You guys mm-hmm. are familiar with him. And he was, you know, eating breakfast himself. And one of the bouncers was this, uh, was a skinhead. And, like, you know, he... He called him. He he was what he called a non-racist skinhead, where he just basically was in it for the fashion and the music and stuff like that. Like you know, like okay, well, what a it's kind of a risky gamble, really. Right? <laughs> yeah, like no, I'm a non-racist clan member. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, his name was Jameson, and he was an interesting dude. Like we just a real quick aside, I gotta tell you this: we gave him a chance once to be a DJ, and we and it only happened once because he fifty percent of the night he just. Played Irish music <laughs> like it's not gonna work man um so he's sitting there right and and at one point Steve Steve comes over to us because of because of Jameson as a skinhead and he starts talking to us and he start starts talking to Jameson in particular and he's like hey man would you like to come on the Jerry Springer show we're looking for you know anybody that you know you know you, you're a skinhead and he's like oh, well I'm not I'm a non-racist skinhead he's like oh even better he's like would you like to come on and 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 you know with some racist skinheads and he's like, sure. He's like, well, would you be willing to fight him? He's like, hell yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he gives him his card with his personal number and everything. And like, you know, as far as I know, I don't know if he ever got on the show because we ended up firing him soon after. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my uh, my brush with Steve. Does anybody have any other celebrity stories before I tell them? I'm, I'm still trying to get over the non-racist skin. I'm just I'm right? listening for the music and the and the fashion. Yeah, I mean, this was a guy that was covered head to toe in tattoos. Like he talked about how he would just walk into the tattoo shop and just sit down and be like, "Uh, right here." And they're like, "What do you want?" He's like, "I don't care. Put whatever you want." <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he looked like a Chipotle bag. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say my most recent celebrity encounter are guys who are pretty much celebrities just to me. 
and uh, a number of fans around the world, but not too many in America. And that was uh, last big concert I went to. Uh, you, any longtime listeners have heard about me talking about the Finnish band uh, Poets of the Fall. And uh, in our concert show, I managed to both meet them at the meet and greet and got to drink with them after their set uh, with Sarah. That was really cool. So That's awesome. Now, yeah. now, what we've all been waiting for—the big, <laughs> the big story. It's just a fun story. It's one of my one of my favorite moments of my life. Um, I used to live in this uh, four story condominium uh, converted you know, the, uh, apartment type situation. They were like you know two thousand square foot situation. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a, it was a it was a former office building that had been turned into a condominiums, but the guy was unable to sell them, so he rented them as apartments. Yeah. So that's we a were... situation. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, so in the basement units um, was was uh, this musician and his wife, and his name is Ron Prince Jr. And as far as I know, he's still in Chicago as a musician playing you know regular gigs, and he's pretty damn good. He's a he's a hell of a blues uh, guitarist. And he's got this band of uh, Rastafarian guys, and the bass player has dreads that, when I knew them, went past his knees. And um, he would, you know, yeah, he was. A, they were all really cool dudes, and I met them several times because they would have rehearsals sometimes in his house, and you could hear it, obviously, you know. And we'd go down there sometimes and hang out with them when they were rehearsing, and it, you know, we had a pretty good relationship with him and his wife. And and one time they were going to be uh, one of his biggest concerts was he was going to be at Buddy Guy's place. Uh, which is a blues joint downtown Chicago that most people know about, especially Chicagoans. Um, and it's got, you know, it's had legend after legend after legend play there. And this was a big break for him. So uh, we all, all the guys that lived upstairs, you know, we all took the night off from work and we were all going to go hang out and see him and everything. And I went downstairs at one point to find out what time we were supposed to be there, what time the concert was and where we get the tickets and everything. And I would, you know, just to get all the details on it. So I knock on the door and he's got, you know, cause it's a big, big event in his life. He's got, you know, maybe 50 people in his apartment at this point. And, you know, I'm one, I'm one of the few white guys. There's a whole bunch of guys with dreadlocks. There's a whole bunch of model looking women. And I just, I'm like, I'm like, well, this is a serious party. And, you know, I said to Ron, and he's like, yeah, man, you know, I'm celebrating and blah, 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 and whatever. And he hands me a Heineken. Cause, and, and I'm like, all right. And then, you know, um, then the joints start passing around. And so I, I end up, you know, getting one passed to me as I sit down on the couch. And I take a couple puffs, and there's this dude sitting next to me um, on my on my left, and he's talking to a dude in the in uh, one of the chairs, and they're having their own conversation. And after I take a couple puffs, I just kind of you know reach over and tap him with my with with the J and hold it to him. And as he turns and looks at me, and he grabs a joint, I I, I kind of look at him and I'm like, "Holy shit, you're buddy guy!" <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks at me, and he and he takes the joint out of my hand, and he takes a hit, and he goes, "Oh my motherfucking life." <laughs> That's and awesome. He, yeah, and he exhales, and you know, and like I sit there, you know, and and we talk a little bit, just shooting the shit, whatever, and and a couple, you know, I'm, I hang out for about half an hour with the buddy guy, and I said something at one point that made him laugh, and he, you know, clinks Heinekens with me and shit, and it's like it's just a really cool, you know, really cool moment, and he recognized me when we were there later that night, and he bought me a drink and shit, and, you know, it was, it was pretty fun. So yeah, buddy guy is a hell of a guy. I have I have smoked and drank with buddy guy. Yeah, no one's topping that, so we had to save yeah. that shit for last. <laughs> yeah, you should get a t-shirt with that, man. Right? right? <laughs> All, All right. right, so there you go. Yeah. Sorry, Josh. No, no, you yeah. do your yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Joel, what do we have coming up? Well, it's that time, kids. September <gasps> is back. We uh, are enlisting the help of our good friends over at the History of Bad Ideas podcast. 
And uh, we're doing a whole slate of shows. So look forward to uh, Fantasy Island that we've been talking about. Uh, we're going to be digging into Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Face the Music, Bad Boys and Bad Boys for Life, and the show we talked about earlier, Starsky and Hutch. I'm sure we did that fucking show. <laughs> right? I, got, I mean, I'm not crazy. I mean, not like this, well, okay. not in this way. <laughs> All right. Well, if you uh, have your own interesting celebrity encounter or you want us to tap the brakes because you know you heard the Starsky and Hutch, let us know because we can't find it. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if you're looking for our older stuff and find the Starsky and Hutch show, let us know because... <laughs> This was this was a long conversation before we started this started the show tonight yep. on whether or not we did or didn't this. And we had like, everything from all of us remembering that we watched the movies to Josh's wife remembering listening to it. I mean, literally half an hour we talked about this. Yeah, I mean, we walked through the catalog. So, so where can they find that catalog? They can find that on Podbean or Pandora. Uh, you can go on Pandora, give us a thumbs up, and if you enjoy the show, uh, you can also leave us a review on Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts. And if you'd like to support the show, you can click on the Kofi link below us in the on the show notes and help us keep the uh, internet host, ho- hosting costs, hosting costs, hosting costs, hosting costs. <laughs> was that, was that a Rammstein song? No, that was the band that that non. The non-racist skinhead listen to. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I never heard so much pogues in my life as I did that night. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. You mean okay, and then I got a wait for Miss My I refuse to do it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, we it gets good because we know you, you can't. Oh, it's not gonna work, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't look right either. If, if, if all four of us do it at the same time, I'm gonna summon the penis tanks. All right, one, two, three. I made a pawn. <laughs> oh my god. This is my nightmare. <laughs> Like, All right, welcome to my world, Patrick. Oh, yeah, I was just about to say, where I have to be the responsible one. This is my nightmare. All right, Alice Cooper. This isn't fun at all. <laughs> no, I don't enjoy this at all. Can we get to the show? Yeah, all right. Get to... Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs>